Welcome to the University of North Georgia Nighthawk Athletics Hawk Talk radio show and podcast series. Hawk Talk is an effort to bring the message of the Nighthawk Nation directly to the North Georgia community. The show is carried each week on the flagship radio station of UNG Athletics, 97.5 Glory FM. It's archived on the podcast page of UNGAthletics.com. The Hawk Talk initiative aims to provide weekly in-depth feature content highlighting the stories behind North Georgia Athletics. And another pleasant good afternoon to you from the Hawk Talk recording studio. Walker McCrary as we get ready for the next episode of Hawk Talk and we are pleased to be joined by one of our first guests uh, on Hawk Talk. If you'll harken back to episode number one, we had a chance to sit down with uh, the director of sports performance at UNG, Rich Pruitt, and he's kind enough to take some time out in the midst of a very busy time for our sports performance staff at North Georgia. Rich, thanks for uh, joining us this week. Yeah, thanks, Walker, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's talk about some of that busyness, but before we get to that, let's rewind as we've done with all of our guests during this just crazy time. Uh, you know, we're getting ready for a women's basketball regional at Lander. Softball's getting ready to open up Peach Belt Conference play. Baseball right in the middle of things. Track, golf, all, you know, getting ready uh, to go into the hearts of their seasons and this pandemic hits and everything gets canceled. And I can only imagine that, uh, from your guys's point of view in sports performance, this had to be a giant challenge because all the students go away and it's kind of hard to, you know, uh, keep track of where, how they're progressing in strength and fitness and everything. If you guys can't deal with them. Yeah, that was, uh, it was definitely an interesting situation to say the least. Uh, I remember being here, you know, in the weight room, uh, with, with our, our graduate assistants and uh, our interns and, um, you know, we had just heard that the basketball was coming back, that, you know, the uh, NCAA March Madness wasn't going to be played and all of that. And, um, you know, I saw an alert on my phone that there was going to be a state of an emergency, you know, um, going live with uh, mm-hmm. with the president speaking about it. And I, the only other time I saw that was uh, 2001 yeah. you know, when, when 9-11 occurred. And, um, you know, I made sure that we turned it on in, in the weight room and, you know, I said to our staff, I was like, listen, you guys need to watch this because, uh, you know, something's about to happen. It's in and it's going to, you know, cause a major ripple in uh, our normal lives because um, that, you know, these state of emergencies don't normally just happen. They don't, you know, it's not a, a reoccurring thing, say the least. Um, so I remember watching that and I was like, OK, you know, this is kind of a big deal, uh, but, you know, still wasn't able to really like grasp the concept of you know the severity that was going to be um you know a few weeks ahead of us uh and then shortly after that we were put into uh shelter in place and uh you know we had uh the graduate assistants and i basically took some equipment from the weight room and put packed it up in our cars and uh we we you know kind of immediately came up with this plan of all right well we're gonna you know become zoom sensations you know we're gonna start <laughs> we're gonna start up our uh start working on our our uh our media presence and uh start becoming an internet sensation so um we kind of devised this plan right off the bat where we would hold these like optional voluntary you know workouts online uh whether it's through zoom or you know we use we tried several different platforms and uh but we would just kind of 
you know, send out the message to all the athletes and say, hey, we're going to be holding a, a voluntary workout, you know, through, you know, this through Zoom and, um, uh, you know, you'll need this, 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 you know, pieces of equipment. Of course, we kept it like, you know, very minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'd have them pop on there and we'd have anywhere from, you know, two or three to 12 come on and, and get a workout in with uh, with us. And we would just rotate those Monday through Friday. We'd have one at like nine and one at 12. And, you know, we would do we did that for, gosh, you know, all of, uh, pretty much, you know, the rest of March, April. Um, and then uh, once we started kind of getting the word that we were going to start making that transition back in, I think it was mid uh, mid May. We, uh, you know, we went ahead and let everybody know that this was it. This is the last week. We're going to start making that transition back in the weight room. But it was, uh, you know, we were we were making calls to student athletes. We were reaching out to them every single day, just seeing how they were doing, you know, just talking. You know, you know, obviously everybody's reacting differently to the situation. Everyone's in different, uh, you know, home life situations. And, you know, we just I think. One, we went from as a department seeing, you know, all the student athletes almost every day to like none, you know, Mm -hmm. from so from a department stance, you know, from our our GAs and then myself, that's that was that was huge, you know, just from a mental aspect of, uh, you know, trying to uh, to deal with that. And so, you know, I I definitely think from a communication standpoint, um, you know, I think uh, we were able to reach out and really start building some uh, some relationships with some of these student athletes that, you know, we might not have necessarily had the opportunity to. So there was definitely a silver lining there where we were able to, you know, start communicating a little bit more uh, with them, making sure that they were OK and talking to them a little bit more, um, you know, one on one basis than uh, than, you know, if we were back in the weight room where we would have like an entire team. So. Uh, you know, there was a silver lining in that aspect. And, um, but, uh, you know, once we got that word come you know, right around mid-May that we were going to be heading back in, uh, you know, I was, I was ecstatic. And then, uh, and then Lindsay Reeves, our athletic director, gives me a call and says, you know, Dr. Jacobs has basically given us the, uh, the green light to start bringing student athletes back on and we need to start writing policies and, and get prepared. <laughs> And so uh, that's led us all the way up until this week. Well, and I want to—I I don't want to uh, have you go into all of those policies because I know just from uh, being on some meetings with you guys in athletic training that the policies are uh, just uh, extensive and you know very much so uh, keeping the health of student athletes and staff uh, at the forefront. But c- can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the decisions? Uh, that you guys and Matt and the athletic training and your staff work together and how that kind of came about to get to where we are to where uh, you were able to start your voluntary workouts on campus this week for the first time since March 17th. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it was definitely a collaborative effort, like you said, uh, you know, and we obviously we couldn't have done built this whole policies and gotten all the student athletes back if it wasn't for our amazing administration, you know, kind of helping us out and, you know, all working together and a, uh, you know, just collective effort to, uh, to help these student athletes get back on campus and, and start, 
you know, having somewhat of a, a normal student athlete experience again. Um, you know, so, you know, with the work between Matt and I and, and uh, administration upstairs, you know, and uh, the, the athletic training assistants, you know, and even collaborating with our graduate assistants, you know, in my staff, you know, it was definitely a collaborative effort, like I said, and, uh, you know, it, it was weeks on weeks on weeks, just writing policies and refining them, you know, and I had, uh, I had reached out to uh, previous interns and graduate assistants that are now at D1 institutions and kind of, you know, got a feel for where they were, you know, obviously, you know, and, and I think uh, the NCAA football program is, you know, one of the primary driving forces of, of kind of opening back up um, our, our student athletics and NCAA athletics. So, you know, I was able to contact a few of uh, my colleagues and that were, that are strength coaches for uh, some bigger uh, football programs. And, you know, they also provided a lot of guidance and uh, resources to help us out as well. And I know the athletic training staff did the same on their end, you know, they were reaching out. So, you know, just looking to see what everybody else was doing and, you know, being creative in our in our in our own environment as well here. And, uh, you know, just kind of picking and choosing these specific policies based off of, you know, our infrastructure that we have here, uh, you know, the the building and the facilities that we have here. Mm-hmm. So um, it's yeah, it was it was definitely a, uh, a long and drawn out process. And uh, <laughs> I learned I learned a lot. And I think, you know, I think as as a department we learned a lot because you know obviously no one has ever done anything like this before you know it was unprecedented and you know we literally had to think of every possible thing that could go wrong and could go right and you know be able just to pull back the layers and look and say what if this happens or what if that happens and so forth um but the way that you know i'll give you just like a brief overview of how we have it designed and then not get too deep into it you know we've uh, we have different phases and starting off with phase one, which started this week, we're, you know, opening up voluntary workouts to our, our fall teams and uh, only holding two sessions, which is normal for our, our summer um, voluntary sessions anyway. So nothing has changed much there minus the, our our cap on our, uh, our attendance. Right. So we have two groups of uh, 10 student athletes and we basically kind of created a cohort. Right. And, um, and we have a screening process that they have to go through every single day. They come in and, you know, have a temperature check, signs and symptoms and so forth. Um, so that's a daily reoccurring uh, theme of, of uh, the voluntary training. And then, um, you know, we were able to get our our session going. Um, but we go Monday through through Thursday. And, uh, you know, it's it's been it's been the first week has been great. You know, I couldn't tell you how excited I was when I first, you know, first saw the, uh, the group of 10 coming on for the 9am session. And, uh, you know, it was just like, I felt nervous cause I hadn't coached, you know, face to face and, uh, in, in a while. And, you know, I was a little rusty to say the least, but, uh, you know, so, so were the student athletes. So we we're all in the same boat and, you know, I think we had a great time though, just getting back to, you know, somewhat of a normal routine. And I'm sure that, you know, uh, in these phases uh, that we're right in the middle of, that uh, the type of workouts that you are and your staff are implementing uh, 
are they don't look the same as if it were a normal summer just because of that smaller core cohort excuse me that you guys are in and also uh, all of the guidelines set forth by the CDC and such, I'm sure that you guys are having to alter your workouts. Can you talk through uh, just a little bit of, you know, the challenges that you guys have faced uh, in starting to develop these workouts for the in-person uh, phases that you're going through? Sure. So, you know, when we went to start looking at how we were going to be running these these sessions and what type of exercises were going to be taking place and so forth, like what our training session would look like, you know, you have a few different influencing bodies uh, that we had to take into consideration. You know, like one, you said the CDC and, you know, uh, and then the Department of Health of the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, NCAA and then uh, the National Strength and Conditioning Association as well. Uh, so, you know, we had these three major bodies that were kind of, you know, basically giving us guidelines and, and pointing us in directions, but nothing really set in stone. Uh, and that's kind of how higher education is. Anyway, we had these guidelines, but, you know, we have the uh, the freedom to operate. So um, under, you know, specific parameters. But, you know, with the uh, with the concern of, of, you know, obviously contracting the virus and, and, and spreading it, you know, throughout the, uh, the student athlete body, we wanted to, uh, you know, make sure that we could follow uh, the physical distancing guidelines as best as we could. Um, so we have our, our student athletes are broken up in the, in, like I was saying, these, uh, these cohorts, right. These groups, and they have training partners and these training partners, re, you know, are basically the same training partners throughout the entire summer. So, you know, you're only going to be sharing equipment with one individual. You're not going to be sharing equipment with, you know, three or four other individuals. You're not going to be coming within like 12, uh, well, six feet within, uh, another pairing, another, another, uh, group of, of uh, student athletes you know it's just you and your partner and these partners were designed specifically based off of like rooming situations living situations and so forth so they're already close to each other they're already living with each other and so forth um you know the mask masks are being worn at all times while on campus uh minus when you're training right if we're outside and we're we're getting some conditioning on uh, on the field. I mean, obviously we're not wearing masks during that that time period, um, you know. And then uh, masks are on as soon as we're off the field, and uh, we have training stations that we've kind of uh, drawn out in our weight room. And once you're mm-hmm. in your training station, then you can uh, you know take your mask off and, and get to work. Um, but the uh, you know that's that's for all from the 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 CDC and, and the state guidelines, you know, and then of course you have the sanitation processes and procedures that we go through, you know, before and after each, each session, uh, you know, which takes some time, um, you know, but, uh, you know, the peach belt has done a great job of, of, you know, hooking us up with some good equipment to help us out as well. So, you know, hats off to them for, you know, helping us out and, um, you know, and then we have the the NSCA, National Strength and Conditioning Association guidelines that were, you know, released uh, relatively quickly as soon as the shelter in place was um, initiated. And yeah, it was basically these. They acknowledge the fact that our student athletes are going to be coming back, you know, after uh, probably the, the longest extended break that they had ever gone through. You know, a lot of them hadn't been able to access a weight room. A lot of them haven't been able to access even a field for that matter. So, 
um, you know, they're, we're going to be having a lot of our student athletes come back that are going to be uh, in varying condition. You know, some of them are going to be in better, can, better shape than, you know, whenever they left because they've had all the equipment that they could access and, and they've had a little bit more time than usual. And then we're going to have student athletes that, you know, are in the exact opposite position. Uh, with that said, though, that means that we have had to adjust our training program pretty significantly. So instead of hopping in where we normally would this week, uh, which was you know June 22nd, we actually started back uh, our phase back in uh, if it was basically if it was the second week of May. So our intensity and our and our um, <clears throat> our duration of our, our program was was shortened by mm -hmm. a lot. And uh, again, that's you know that was. Uh, purely based off of, you know, we're going to have these, these kids that are coming back in various shape and uh, we need to make sure that we can accommodate all of them. So for the ones that are in really good shape, then this is kind of a down week, right? And then for the ones that are coming back and that haven't been able to access everything um, that the other ones have, then, you know, this is going to be kind of like an introduction week for them. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at with our, our conditioning and our, our, our lifting is pretty much the same thing as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've scaled back all of our intensity by uh, 20 percent from when they left. Uh, you know, the NSCA and, and, you know, and research has also shown like residual effects of strength. Uh, so we've taken that into strong consideration and we've uh, we've pulled 20 percent off of, of all of their weight. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of where we're starting at. We're not going anything with high reps, high volume. It's just kind of a reintroduction to, uh, to lifting and to moving with weight. And, uh, you know, it, but, you know, on the, on the other hand, that means every week we, we proceed, we progress and mm -hmm. closer to the season. Uh, that means the intensity is going to have to be jumped up both on, on the field and in the weight room. One last question for you, Rich, as we continue to move forward, you mentioned we're in phase one right now with these two cohorts of, uh, 10 student athletes from the fall sports right now. Uh, as we move forward through the summer and get closer and closer to uh, the start of the school year, uh, what are we hoping to accomplish in terms of uh, phasing everybody back into uh, uh, school, not only in the classroom, uh, but in the weight room and uh, sports performance as we get closer to preseasons for soccer and cross country and such? That's a great question, Walker. You know, and I, this, it's a part of our everyday conversation, you know, with administration, with coaches, with the student athletes uh, and with the faculty on campus. You know, it's such a fluid situation, too. It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely almost on a continuum where you have like online, you know, operating shelter in place over here like we were in, in March and in April and May. And then you have, you know, face to face. Everything's normal on, on the opposite side. You know, and I feel like we're just kind of in the middle right now, we're starting to lean towards that face to face. But then, you know, as, you know, as uh, cases start to arise and, you know, things start to happen then it starts kind of moving back and forth, depending upon obviously what state you're in and, and uh, even county really. Um, so, you know, with our, with our phases, it's based off of consistency, right? So mm -hmm. if we can move, forward and have at least 80% consistency in, in our attendance of our, of our phases, 
you know, week to week, then, uh, and we don't go about having any signs and symptoms and we don't go about having any, um, you know, we don't go about having multiple, you know, COVID-19 mm-hmm. tests and so forth, testing positive. Um, then we can start moving into that phase one. Um, you know, and a lot of people ask me, well, you know, well, can't you just like keep them all in a bubble and we can just move, you know, systematically through phase one, two, and three, and then you know, just basically just smoothly transition into fall. You know, I think that, you know, that w- we would be ignorant to say that, you know, our student athletes are protected from this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like the flu, you know, they're going to, they're going to get sick. They're going to catch it. You know, luckily this, the student athlete population is at a very low risk, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we also have to take into consideration the staff and the coaches as well um, and how easily it can spread. So that's where, uh, that's why we started. We built the phases the way that we did so we can slowly progress and slowly add um, our student athletes onto mm-hmm. campus and, and into the groups. Um, but hopefully, you know, here in the next few weeks, we should be able, we, we should have the consistency um, that we're looking for in order to uh, to progress into phase two where we would start bringing our winter sports on. You know, uh, they're, they would be next in line to start their, their championship season. And then uh, after another two or three weeks of, uh, you know, of smooth progressions and building and consistency, uh, then we can, you know, start looking at, uh, you know, bringing the, the spring sports in as well and building our groups as well. So, um, you know, the fall semester, when we get there, the phases, the way that we design the phases is to help us kind of tra- easily transition into fall. Mm-hmm. And I say, I say easily uh, you know, <laughs> a grain of salt because uh, we've never done anything like this before. Um, but I think uh, I think the way that we have it set up with the phasing is going to help us, you know, transition as smoothly as possible into um, into the fall. And it's not going to be a complete overhaul and revamping uh, where we have to change everything from a logistical standpoint. We'll have a good idea of what we can do. We'll have a good idea of what we cannot do uh, based off of the consistency, uh, based off of our uh, our positive COVID-19 testing and screening as well. Um, you know, so it's just being able to to read the numbers and, and be able to break apart the data and make sure that, you know, when we are progressing forward, that we're doing it in a, in a very systematic way and that it's in the best interest of the student athletes, the health of the student athletes, the health of the staff and uh, the administration. Well, Rich, it's been awesome having you on and uh, extremely informative as it was the very first time we've uh, we had you on this program. Uh, I hope that we can catch up again and uh, maybe get a game of spike ball in once uh, once some of these restrictions get lifted. I, I've missed our uh, our summer spike ball league that we normally have. Uh, so hopefully we can get a few games in maybe before uh, school gets ramped up. Yeah, I agree, man. That's one one thing I definitely miss. You know, the student athletes and having them back on campus has been great. But man. That's spike ball. You know, that's, I'm missing that right now. <laughs> if you missed any of today's show, download the podcast from ungathletics.com or subscribe to Hawk Talk online on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Join us in two weeks right here on the flagship station uh, on the radio of North Georgia Athletics, 97.5 Glory FM for the next edition of Hawk Talk. For more information on UNG Athletics, visit the official home of the Nighthawks at UNG Athletics. 
Facebook.com. Rich, again, thank you for joining us, and we hope to catch up soon. Thanks, Walker. For Rich Pruitt, I'm Walker McCreary. On the Nighthawk Sports Network, this has been Hawk Talk.